In this third episode of Cold Case, Three Men in a Van, we talked to the two original Davis County Sheriff's Department investigators, Bill Thompson and Morgan Palmer, who have since retired. But it's still an open case that remains unsolved after 22 years. Stay with us. This is Inquire. For the Mystery Inquirer, I'm Don Wilkins. First, you will hear from Morgan Pometer, who he interviewed in 2018 before he retired a year later. And then you'll hear from Bill Thompson, who was the other Davis County Sheriff's investigator, who we interviewed in March of 2020 before he retired in July. My name is Morgan Palmiter. I'm a lieutenant in the Davis County Sheriff's Department. I've been there over 22 years. Uh, yes, yes, uh, we have. Uh, I've also, I'm also working a case of uh, three individuals who had been missing for approximately 10 years, and they were recovered in 2008 in a lake uh, down here in southern Davis County. And our indications were those that there uh, were uh, possibly execution and uh, defensive wounds caused by bullets. Yeah, those those bodies uh, were the the three young men who disappeared in '98, right? November 1998. And how did you how did you come across these these bodies there? I was actually a patrolman in 1998 when uh, we uh, received the missing persons report from Ohio County asking us to check an address for them. Uh, we went out to that address and the individuals uh, they weren't there, but we actually ended up taking down a meth lab at that location. Uh, fast forward to 2008, and there was uh, a silver alert for an elderly gentleman who was missing from Owensboro. And some Owensboro detectives had received some information from someone who was had been flying around southern Davis County in an airplane that, hey, we saw a vehicle in a strip pit. Uh, during that time of year, uh, the water was low. We had been having a little bit of a drought here in Davis County. And uh, when the officers went out there to check, they realized that there was a vehicle in the water, so those detectives contacted us since it was in the county. And when we went out to uh, survey the area, uh, we requested a diver, and when the diver went down, they advised that it was a van and brought up the license plate, took the license plate off the van. And uh, when they came up and said it was a van with the license plate, we immediately realized that we had found uh, the van from our missing individuals. Uh, we started a recovery operation and uh, called in a, uh, the a forensic specialist from Frankfurt, uh, came down with the coroner's office, and when, once we went through the van and processed it, that's when uh, inside that we found the skeletal remains of the three individuals that were missing. And you see all three of them had, all, all three of them shot? All three of them were shot, and... Uh, uh, one or two of them appeared to have what we would classify as uh, execution-style wounds, and another one had like defensive wounds, like where he may have put his hands up in front of his his face or his head. So where does that case stand right now? Do you have any leads on any suspects or, or anything like that? No, right now uh, that's still a cold case. Uh, we'll get information every once in a while. Someone will call in and we'll follow up, but we have followed that lead. Uh, we've been as far as... Uh, Yazoo, Mississippi, to prisons down there, federal prisons, uh, Texarkana, 
federal penitentiaries interviewing potential witnesses or someone that may know anything. So we've we've probably logged anywhere between six and eight thousand miles of out-of-state trips uh, investigating that case. Did it? And I, I'm I know I'm, I I know one of the families that was involved. Did they find? Did you feel like the families have any kind of closure at all with this? Yes, I believe so. Uh, the families were, uh, we stayed in contact once we recovered those individuals, once we recovered the remains. Uh, and, you know, we would contact the family anytime we went anywhere, let them, you know, let them know what we were doing. But I definitely feel that, because uh, some of the fam- some of the parents were elderly, you know, and I definitely feel that gave them some closure, knowing that their uh, family member had been recovered and they could have a funeral. Now, what, what was your, what was your, what was your, do you have any theories about what went down with these three guys? Uh, yes. Uh, we're well aware uh, that, that there could have been some uh, drug activity that they, they may have been involved in on the outer, outer perimeter of. And, uh, but this, that one is definitely, we feel, is drug related. Either wrong place at the wrong time or they just got wrapped up into some, uh, real bad people. Yes. Do you think those people are local? Yeah, I I believe that they that they uh, they were local, especially you know where this uh, van was disposed of. Uh, it's not on your, you know, one of your main routes here in Davis County. I I feel that a local individual would have had to have been the one to uh, take them there. What makes a cold case difficult a lot of times is. First of all, if we can't identify the individual, if we can't identify an individual, we can't track their their last known location, their last known associates, uh, what may have, who they may have been with, you know, when whatever caused them to be murdered occurred. Uh, now, the times when we are able to identify someone and it becomes a cold case. Unfortunately, what happens then is we just don't have any witnesses or we don't have any physical evidence uh, that we can proceed on. You know, we, we may have theories, but unfortunately, theories don't stand up in court. That's like, you know, the individuals uh, from the lake, from the van. We tracked their movements via friends right up to a certain point of when they crossed into Davis County. And then just all the, all the trails, all the leads, they just go cold. After 22 years, as, as you said, you know, in the beginning, you know, th- these can be very difficult, you know, uh, and not to sound crass, but over the years, I, I try to just tell myself, it's just evidence. It's just evidence. And it's, that just sort of helps me get through it. concentrating on the job aspect of that, that I'm there. I, I try not to think about, you know, the, the individual very much during an autopsy when I'm watching. The, the hardest ones for me would be children. Uh, you know, children still bother me. How do they prepare you, or, or, or I guess, like I know whenever I was in journalism school, they, some of the professors, one, one particular professor, you know, they would show us photos of homicides and, and fat, wreck fatalities, you know, trying to prepare us, but are you really prepared, you know, can, you know, photos can't really prepare you if you're really there, so can you talk about how, you know, you're, you prepare yourself and how do you prepare yourself? in any kind of situation, especially a murder like this or any kind of murder where you, where you have a human being who's lost their life for, for whatever reason, whether they were an innocent bystander or, or somebody who was maybe wrapped up in, 
you know, doing things they weren't supposed to. But still, a human being has lost their life, and, and you're seeing evil, essentially. So can you talk about how you prepare yourself mentally for that? There's not a whole, there's not a whole lot of preparation. You, you know, you can tell someone, you can maybe show some photos, but it's like my first autopsy. They just said, handed me a, uh, handed me a uh, bottle of Vicks, and uh, said, suggested that I put it under my nose, and uh, just told me that, you know, look, you're, you're going into the autopsy. This, this is your first case, and you're going to the autopsy. And as I said, you know, when I'm trying to prepare other individuals for their first one, I have to say, tell them that, you know, if, if it looks as if they're having a problem, a lot of times I'll go back to and I'll go up and tell them, look, think about it as evidence. And it, it, you know, I don't want that to sound crass, but I think that, you know, maybe that mental switching over, okay, this is evidence that it might help individuals make it through that. And now we hear from Bill Thompson, who is the other investigator in this cold case. Thompson. That's right. Hey. Okay. All right. How are y'all? We're good. Nice to see you again, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, nice hi. to see you yeah. again. Yeah, it's been a while. All right. Uh, oh, you do have pictures. Good. There's more room here. I thought I'd get this stuff out. All right, and, let's do it. We'll talk about what I can talk about. Sure. Sure. Uh, Where do you think? I'm going to sit on this side in case I need to get some photos, huh, Don? Yeah, that's fine. Just in case. We, want some. we didn't know. You're watching. We'd like to have it if we want it, though. Okay. Just can't go backwards. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I do want to see though, because <laughs> I'm curious. Well, this is this is location where the van was initially found, and if you'll notice, right there, there is. is the van. Um, there was a. Uh, this is an old strip pit. The mm. lake had fallen some, as you can see by the uh, water level here, or the. Uh, the beach flip, mm -hmm. like a better word. Anyway, someone was flying over that and noticed that. Uh, at that time, OPD was working a missing person report on an elderly uh, African-American gentleman. They called uh, Lieutenant Clother at OPD and said, you know, we may have found a guy you're looking for, da 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 Well, they went out there with a, they being OPD, they went out there with a diver. Uh, when the diver came back up, he said, that's, that's a van. Uh, became obvious to them at that point that they, that was not the, the, the person they were looking for and he contacted me. And at that point, that's how we got involved with it. And how long had the van been there? They were reported missing 1129 of 98. We actually went out there, got this call, original call, on 10-3 of 08. So a month shy of 10 years. Wow. Uh, from there, 
obviously we called, uh, well, all of these are law enforcement people, so you can see that there's plenty of people out there. Now, where is this property located? 1800 block of Highway 1207. So, how close is that to, I guess, be the Ohio County line? If Davis, it was found in Davis County, and you're. Because uh, all these men, they were from Ohio County. Yeah. If I may, let me give you a little. A little background. Sure. Uh, we investigated, well, we talked to several people. They had left Ohio County going to a man's house on Todd Bridge Road. Uh, this house, or this was found within two miles of the house on Todd Bridge Road. And speaking with the man on Todd Bridge Road, he denied ever seeing these people, ever denied ever seeing them show up. Uh, if that makes sense, and you kind of know where I'm headed there without actually saying more than I should say. Uh, from Ohio County line, what is it from Todd Bridge Road to Ohio County line? 10 miles, uh, that's just a guesstimate, obviously. Now, um, were you, no, was the sheriff, whenever these fellows originally went missing, uh, I guess at that time it was was it KSP or Ohio, or Ohio County Sheriff investigation? Ohio County, obviously since all three men were from Ohio County, they took the original missing persons report. Uh, when it became, well, I'm not going to say a parent, but when in their initial investigation, looking at the missing person, they developed information that were coming to Lawrenceville to Todd Bridge Road. Uh, that's one of those examples. That's a missing person report on, on James Sandy Woodard, one on Bill Groves, and the one on Brian Rayleigh. Ohio County knew that all three of these men were together. Uh, they were seeing several places in Ohio County the night that they went missing. Uh, we even talked to a person who probably saw them the last time mm -hmm. that they were seen in Ohio County. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, they they took the missing person report. In knowing that they were going to an address on Todd Bridge Road, uh, I wasn't here at this time, so I don't know how this happened, but during the course of investigation, we, being the sheriff's office, actually searched that property where they were going to, uh, to the point where we had backhoes up there, out there, actually digging up property where they were going, supposedly going, uh, allegedly going, however you want to put that. Uh, we developed, Davis County Sheriff's Office developed information that they were on that property. Again, a search warrant was obtained and that property was searched extensively with tobacco and cadaver dogs. Uh, the case actually laid dormant for many years until the van was actually found then in the strip line in, yeah. in the lake. And you may have said this earlier, and pardon me for forgetting, but um, where is that pond or that whatever you're calling it located in reference to what you guys searched previously? within uh, a mile and a half. Okay. 
Hmm. So close. Yeah. Now, um, the van itself, where is it now? Uh, it's at Caspi Post 16 at Henderson County. However, I'm going to warn you, the last time I saw it, it was just a big bucket of, of rust. Uh, I'm not even sure the van is still there anymore, to be honest with you. Uh, we had obviously uh, got all the evidence out of it that we could, uh, but we, we moved it. KSP Post 16 took uh, possession of that property for us. Okay. So they have a big enclosed lot down there, and that's where it was taken. To. Okay. Now, were you among the investigators who, when they found the initial van? Yes, yes, okay. when it came back up in 2008, yes. yes. And uh, so when did you realize that you had stumbled upon a 10-year-old cold case? If that, that day when the uh, diver went down and came back up and said, this is a van, uh, contacted us, uh, myself and a couple other detectives went out there, and one of the other detectives remembered from 1998 that there was three men missing in a van from Ohio County. Uh, we got the VIN number from the van that was still on it, uh, partial number from the license plate that had all rusted. With that, we were able to trace the owner. Uh, and from that information, then we determined that that uh, the ske skeletal remains found in that van were more than likely these three missing people. That was on a Friday afternoon, just kind of giving a chronological event here. That was on a Friday afternoon. Uh, I called the, uh, the state medical examiner's office, and that following morning, on Saturday morning, uh, the state medical examiner's office sat down and investigator. Uh, we had towed that van after we got it out of the lake. We had towed that van to the police department. Uh, their big evidence garage over there, basically. And the following morning, Saturday morning, we, we uh, proceeded to uh, recover skeletal remains from inside of that, that van. In doing so, uh, just a side note here, uh, Dr. Emily Craig is one of the, the best in the nation. As a matter of fact, they even sent her to, she went to Oklahoma City, that initial bombing out there. Uh, that's how real respected she was. Amazing, she would take, you know, we, we'd sifted and got bones and et cetera, et cetera. She would start laying them out on a table. That one goes on number one. That's the fibula for number three. Uh, and in an hour, hour and a half, all three skeletal remains were in place where they needed one, two, three. Anyway, with that, then we were able to uh, to get DNA, of course, from uh, those bones, and, and uh, there was some skin left. Obviously, not a lot after ten years in Lake. Uh, was able to obviously notify family members, the people who filed missing person report. Uh, interviewed family members, was able to obtain DNA evidence from them. Uh, their DNA, uh, along with the DNA of the bones that we found in the van, were all sent to uh, uh, Texas, Texas State University, uh, and, and a match was 
positively made uh, uh, the three missing men with the DNA of, of family members who had uh, submitted DNA. Uh, once we knew that uh, for certain that these were the three missing persons over there, uh, we certainly started interviewing people, backtracking people, uh, interviewed family members, anyone who had any knowledge at all of, of the past dealings of three missing people, as well as the person that they allegedly were going to go see on Todd Bridge Road. In doing so, uh, we interviewed in excess of 50 people from West Virginia to Texas. Detective Palmer and I, who's now retired, uh, we we hit the road, and again, uh, we went our way to a federal facility in West Virginia, uh, several state and federal facilities in the state of Kentucky, Indiana, Arkansas, and Texas. Again, interviewed in excess of 50 people. Uh, half of those were probably prisoners. Uh, all the family members, everybody in Ohio County who knew them who heard anything, um, they were all interviewed, and obviously uh, extensive case filing on it. Not only this, but all of that also. Uh, we basically followed every lead that we had uh, until we came to a dead end where we had no more leads to follow. What, what was determined as far as their cause of death? Gunshot wounds. And um, on the van itself. Uh, you could see hoes where gunshots had gone through the side of the van. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, now, did you, have you guys ever determined, you know, as far as uh, a motive behind why these men would have been shot? You know, all I can, I, all I can do is share what was shared with us. Uh, we were told that, that these three young men uh, and a man who lives at the residence where they were going, that they had been uh, involved in some illegal activities together, i.e. Uh, narcotics trade. Um, there's been several theories thrown around about who owed who money, who owed who uh, Product. Uh, we don't know for sure, obviously, because nobody has ever said this is why and who, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, popular theory is that these three young men had an ongoing feud with a suspect that lived on on Todd Bridge Road over uh, money or product. So, um, did it did it look like you, you say suspect? Do you think? Because you, when you think about there's three guys in the prime of their life, and you, you rarely would, you know, one person take out three guys, you know, at, at that age. Do you think there's maybe more than one suspect involved here? I've often thought uh, that more than one person could be involved in it. Yes, yes, uh, because of. You know, as we said, the three people, uh, the hose that were in the side of the van, uh, just the, the, 
the dumping of the van itself, uh, the uh, destruction of the evidence, as you, if, you know, if you would, uh, into the van, things that are from the van into the lake. Uh, I think more than one person was involved in disposing of the van and the bodies. Uh, I also think more than one person was involved in the actual killing of those, of those three people. Now, as far as the manner, uh, I mean, I've all, uh, were they shot at close range, do you know, or how, how were they uh, shot? Impossible to determine uh, the range because of the, the uh, all we have was the bones. Usually you can tell gunshot by gunshot residue, you know, how far mm. and things of that nature. Obviously the skin was all gone, so we couldn't tell that. Uh, we feel like they were all, all shot through, well, there were several holes in the side of the van, which indicates to us that at least the gunshots originated from outside of the van. Now, obviously we don't know if somebody then got in the van or if they got out of the van, we don't know. We don't know. Um, so, the, and you say the leads have gone cold, I mean, is it, is it just because the way the van was, and all the evidence was destroyed. Uh, I mean, how does a case like this go cold on you, like it has? I mean, you're talking a 20-year uh, yeah. homicide, essentially. Yeah, it was it was a great disadvantage to us initially because it had been 10 years since the three men were reported missing. 10 years that that van had been in that lake, uh, and a great amount of. of uh, evidence that had been destroyed simply because of, of, of where the van was. So we were behind the eight ball already, 10 years behind the eight ball as a matter of fact. Uh, again, we had to go back and, and interview people from 10 years ago and rely on their, their memory from 10 years ago about what may have happened or what in fact did happen. So we were, we were way behind already uh, from day one. Because of people's uh, memory or the recollection of events, uh, it took us a while to, to double check. Obviously we wanted to double check everything that we told, uh, that we were told. Uh, which again led us from West Virginia to Texas. Uh, some people who simply knew the three men we interviewed, uh, we felt like they would have the best memory or the best recollection of, of what uh, may have transpired when all this happened. Uh, it's gone cold because simply we have, have exhausted every lead that we had, interviewed every person of interest that we had developed, interviewed every person who knew anything about these three men, where they were going, what may have happened to them. Hmm. Uh, how old were each of these? Ooh. Okay, this one was born in 1970, so... Who, would be, who is this? Uh, this is Bill Gross. I'm sorry, let me go back. James Woodard was 25. Bill Gross was 28. And Brian Riley was 24. Yeah. Young man. Uh, Do you know as far as, the, you know, I know you said these were, I mean, did these 
do you know much about their backgrounds? I mean, were they close friends? They grew up together? I mean, how were they, do you, know, do you know any of that? You know, I don't know. They were obviously close friends, but as far as growing up together, I, I don't recall. Yeah. Somewhere probably in my notes I've got that info, but I, I don't recall if they all grew up together or not. So, in cases like this, you, you guys uh, keep them. You just keep them open, just in case mm -hmm. you get a you get another tip. So, is that what you're kind of waiting on now? Is just yeah, stroke of luck or something? Yeah, murder cases are never closed uh, until they're solved. This obviously is not only a murder case; it's a triple homicide, triple murder case. This file and this briefcase are always. They're right behind my desk. They're on the floor right behind my desk. Uh, constantly on my mind and, and uh, even more than Paul who has retired from here. Uh, we still talk about this every once in a while. Uh, anyway, it, it's never closed. It's always going to be open until uh, it's solved or not solved one way or the other. And that will wrap up our show for this week. I would like to thank Morgan Palmeter, Bill Thompson, and the Davis County Sheriff's Department for giving us candid access to this cold case. If anyone has any information about this case, you can call Crime Stoppers anonymously at 270-687-8484. Again, that's 270-687-8484. 84 for Crime Stoppers. To send us questions or to provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. And remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website, iTunes, and Facebook, where you can subscribe. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkins saying good day for Inquire.